This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover. So some of the topics that I like to discuss are are things that come up in my own veterinary hospital, and I get a lot of questions about nutrition and feeding. So I've invited Dr. Joe Barges to talk with us today. He is a veterinary nutritionist and also a specialist in internal medicine. So he has a lot of expertise, and we're going to pick his brain about cooking for our cats. So we'll be right back with Dr. Barges after a quick word. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Hi, Dr. Barges. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It is so good to have you because, like I said, I get a lot of questions about nutrition. And whenever I write something or produce something about nutrition, there are always people that have a lot to say about that. So um, we joke that nutrition is uh, like politics and religion. It's very passionate. So I'm going to the source, I guess, to find out what you think about feeding cats and cooking for cats. So let's get started. Okay. So why does it matter what a cat eats? So it matters for a lot of reasons. One, nutrition is certainly the basis of health and everything has to eat. Every animal has to eat. Uh, Plants have to eat too, by the way. So nutrition is the basis for maintaining health and to help prevent disease. And then of course, we use nutrition to help manage um, conditions as well. Right. So um, who was it that said, let food be their medicine? I know you've heard that. Yes, I think it was an old, I don't know if it was Aristotle or probably Hippocrates, but uh, a lot of people have been quoted with saying something similar to that. Uh, Thomas Edison said something to the effect of, in the future, nutrition will be the medicine that people take, So, or something along those lines. So it, it's obviously vitally important because without it, we wouldn't be alive. So do you think there's anything particularly different about cats as a species that sort of forms their nutritional needs? Absolutely. So cats are considered to be true carnivores, meaning that they have a higher protein requirement and they're kind of driven to animal-based animals as their protein source or as their nutritional source. 
eat feral cats in the wild as long as people weren't feeding them off their decks or whatever. Eat field mice and birds and rabbits. I mean, they're animal driven. Humans, on the other hand, are omnivores. So we can eat pure vegetarian diets and, and be fine. You know, cattle, horses are herbivores, so they live on plants. And dogs would be considered carnivorous omnivores because they can eat vegetarian diets, but they prefer animal-based nutrition. But again, in general, what dictates cats' nutritional requirements are the fact that they are carnivores and meat eaters. So do you think that my cat owners that are listening could safely cook for their cats? Yes, uh, they can. Uh, And I will tell you, we actually in part cook for our cats. We have two um, cats that we caught as feral kittens. So we actually make them a homemade diet, but we use mix it with other things as well. So it is, it is, it's harder in cats though than in dogs for a few reasons. One is cats again are very driven by the an, you know, animal, um, they're carnivores. And so that means the foods that we make for ourselves aren't typically high enough in protein unless you're a carnivore yourself when you eat. And then the second is cats are very uh, mouth driven. Uh, you know, when you watch cooking shows, they talk about the mouth feel and, and cats are very dependent on texture, even more so than dogs are with smell or, or taste. Even cats develop preferences. And sometimes it's hard to, especially in older cats, adult cats to say, I'm going to change them from something they've been eating all their life to something else whether it's a dry food to a canned food or a canned food to a homemade diet because of the texture, the mouthfeel of it, um, that they you know, don't really want to make that change to. I would tell, I w- will tell, I'm going to tell, I am telling your listeners that if you get a new cat and they're young, variety is the best way to go. Feed them different varieties of types of food, canned, dry, whatever it may be with treats, different flavors of foods, different textures of food so they don't develop that locked-in preference. And that will help you down the road. I actually tell all my kitten owners that as well. And just why do you think that is? Do they learn that only one thing is is actually food and the other things are not food? Oh, I don't I don't know. It's easy to, you know, attribute human characteristics to animals. I would say cats are just cats and they're stubborn as all get out. So I, I think that's part of it. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, there are studies to show that what the queen, the mother ate does influence what the kittens eat. And so there may, maybe some of it is actually kind of as a genetic basis. Some of it may be, again, what they're exposed to when they're weaned from nursing from, from the queen and what they're exposed to early on then sets the tone for what they'll accept or not accept later on in life. It's probably a combination of a lot of things, or they ate something that didn't settle, you know, with them like we do, and then they develop an aversion to it. And cats are pretty headstrong. So uh, it's hard to, you can't reason with a cat. No, that's certainly true. And there are certain foods that I won't eat because they made me sick. And I would certainly think that cats are kind of similar. So are there resources for my listeners if they do want to cook or like you said, supplement what they're feeding to their cats? Are there places that they can get good information for how to make sure things are balanced for their cat? There are actually lots of places to get information. Some of it's really good and some of it is really not so good. You know, we live in an age of Dr. Google. And so it's very easy to go to Google and you'll find thousands and thousands of websites to talk about what cats should eat, not eat, what what you should be feeding, not feeding, how you make homemade diets. And those resources aren't necessarily researched, even if they look like there is some, some effort on the website to do that. The first place I would start would be the American College of Veterinary Nutrition, um, which is acvn.org. That is 
a specialty organization that if falls under the American Veterinary Medical Association that certifies specialists who have additional training and knowledge in nutrition. And just as with other specialties like internal medicine or surgery or radiology. And so those website has resources about where to get additional information, information on recalls of pet food and information on veterinary nutritionists who are willing to work with pet owners and with veterinarians to not only formulate homemade diets, but to provide an unbiased assessment and recommendation in terms of food, uh, whether uh, including commercial foods for different situations. Well, that was my next question because I've never completely home cooked for any of my cats just because I'm really busy. So do you have, I know I don't want to get into brand names, but do you have sort of some guidelines for people that just have regular cats with no specific medical issues of how to choose if they do want to have a pet food? So if you're looking at commercial pet foods, um, there are a couple of things you have to decide. Um, and part of it is based on, you know, sort of the owner's lifestyle and, and own preferences. So people talk about traditional or conventional pet foods, which really refer to kind of the run of the, you know, what you're familiar with, which are dry foods or canned foods. And I'm not sure that those are good terminology, that those words are good terms, traditional or conventional, because actually the conventional dry food has only been around since the 1950s. And it was actually used as a technology that was used to make cereal. In fact, uh, one of the pet food companies who was in the human food back then use that technology to make pet food. And so that has driven the foods to be more carbohydrate based and more high heat processed or what would be called ultra processed. So the first thing you have to decide is, am I okay with that kind of conventional foods or do I want to try something that people would call alternative, which are less, are much more common these days, whether it is freeze dried, air dried, raw uh, diets or things like that. The second thing you should know is that any cat food sold commercially must meet a certain minimal requirements based on the FDA and they are the regulatory agency, And but they're based on the Association of American Feed Control Officials, AFCO, nutritional guidelines and how you validate the nutritional accuracy of a, of a food. So any diet sold, whether it's conventional or not, whatever you want to use alternative, that's sold over the counter, that's sold over the counter and must be complete and balanced for cats at one or more life stages. And as of 2017, they have to have zero infectious disease. So that means commercial raw foods are held to the same standards as commercial high heat processed conventional foods. So the concerns about imbalances and infectious diseases for a commercially available diet, it should not be any different regardless of whether it's a typical kibble or canned food or an alternative diet if the companies are following the law and, and the regulations. And that's very important, especially with raw food, because many veterinarians still lump raw food, whether it's homemade or commercial, into one basket as raw food. And they talk about infectious diseases and imbalances. If it's sold and it is a commercial food, then it has to meet the guidelines and the regulations, which means if it is fed as a sole source of nutrition, it must be complete and balanced for one or more life stages of the cat. And so those are probably, again, the biggest things that you need to decide as a pet owner, as a cat owner, as to what what am I willing to try? And again, I would use variety because that prevents cats from getting locked into a certain type of food. And it also means that if a one food has an issue, that you dilute out that potential toxic effect. So for example, you know, people talk about raw pet foods being um, again hot contaminant, you know, bacteria. 
again, commercial diets, raw or not, have to be infectious disease negative. Right now, there is a commercial dry cat food that is a conventional cat food that's been around for forever that's on recall because of potential salmonella. And it's not just raw or not. And if you were only feeding that diet and it is contaminated with salmonella, then your cat could be sick. If you're feeding other diets, it may dilute out that potential uh, problem. Yes, I saw that recall. So you said something that stood out to me, though. You said as of 2017. So all of these alerts and recalls about salmonella kind of seemed like all of a sudden they just sort of cropped up. Is it because we weren't checking before 2017? I think that might be part of it because uh, prior to that, the uh, FDA did not mandate um, bacterial cultures of the food. The regulation came about in about 2011 and all the pet food companies had to comply by 2000, I think it was 17 January 2017. And they have to prove and have records. And this is part of something, not to get too deep into it, something called the um, Food Safety and Modernization Act. It, it, they use the term FISMA which is through the FDA, which made it the responsibility of pet food companies to keep better records, to make them available, to uh, use better quality control. And that included things like food cultures to basically step up the game and improve the safety of pet foods. You know, despite that, there are still foods that go under recall. Um, most commonly, the three most common reasons for food recalls are infectious or, uh, agents like salmonella, aflatoxin still crops up. Um, there have been several foods since the beginning of the year that have aflatoxin, which is a kind of a mold that comes in with the grains. And then the third, less commonly, but every once in a while pops up are imbalances in the diets, whether it is high levels of vitamin D or low levels of thiamine or something like that. So those are the three kind of biggest things that show up on these lists. I will mention one thing to keep in mind, and you can go to the fda.gov website and search for pet food recalls and it's free. You can sign up for a free newsletter that gets sent to you electronically when things go on recall. With, you don't have to be a doctor. But what's happening now is if you look at that list, there are foods on recall, but many of them are under recall for potential. Then what that means is, and you can click on the link to that food and see what they're talking about. What that means is, for example, the food that's right now under recall, this dry food, has a potential for salmonella for certain batches of food. And what that means is something happened in the production that means there's a higher risk that it might occur. They actually haven't found salmonella in that food. It's just, they don't want to take the risk. And so under good faith, the company has voluntarily recalled the food just in case. So even though they're on the recall list, doesn't mean that there has been a proven problem unless it says there has been a proven problem. It just means the company's taking extra measures to make sure a problem doesn't occur. Okay, well, that's extremely helpful. So if you wanted to cook for your cat, would it matter where you bought the ingredients like human food or prepared raw food or, or would that matter about things like organic and GMO? I know those are things you've heard people ask about before. Yeah, so it, uh, the answer to that is yes. And now organic has a very specific legal term. Um, and it's the USDA governs that the Organic uh, Food Act. And so it, it's a legal term. And natural has a legal term definition as well. And so those are things that, you know, you need to be aware of that if they're saying that, then they have to actually really be complying with that or else they're breaking the law. So where you buy your food and foods that you eat certainly are very, very important. Like our, our cats, we do make a homemade, it's a complete and balanced homemade diet, which is basically chicken. And uh, we, we do, uh, and we make three months at a time and freeze it. So we buy, you know, like 15 pounds of chicken 
and boil it. And then our cats, for some reason, like kale or spinach. So we usually do a pound of kale or spinach and mix that in. And then we also add a multivitamin mineral balance and omega-3 fatty acids and probiotics. And we know from our experience in formulating homemade diets that it is a complete balanced cat food. It is only about 1% carbohydrate, but we, <laughs> they can actually eat better than we do because my uh, significant other, my wife, uh, she buys organic, natural, you know, chicken for our cats. And I end up with, you know, like <laughs> not that. So, so we make it and we know how much to feed them. And again, we like to mix it with different types of canned foods that are high protein, low carb because they're cats. And then we use commercially available, high protein, low carb, dry foods and treats and food puzzles and things like that. So it keeps them it keeps them active and cats are hunters. And so it keeps them hunting. And that's what you, if you feed, if you literally feed on that instinct, you can keep them very active in terms of figuring out food puzzles of going to hunt for food. We put the food in different rooms and things like that. Yeah. I love, I love food puzzles because I think that the cat's brain is just as important as any other part of its body. Oh yeah. And our, our cats, again, they were feral kittens. They're now five years old and, and, and we kept them as Stevie Ray and Vaughn and Stevie's the female. Um, um, we had to give Vaughn away because at the time we were living in a place that could only have two pets. So we have Stevie and Ray, and uh, you would not know that they're indoor-only cats. Uh, they are so muscular, and they are so ridiculously smart. They're actually uh, can solve level three dog food puzzles, dog puzzles, usually within a few minutes of us introducing a new one. So every few months, we have to buy a new food puzzle and get rid of an old one because they, they are so smart at figuring them out. So what you're saying is cats are smarter than dogs, right? Well, you know, I don't want to upset anybody who's a dog person. And I actually consider myself more of a dog person in a lot of ways because I grew up with boxers. But yeah, our cats are very, <laughs> way much smarter than any dog I've ever owned. I think cats are way smarter than we give them credit for. I don't know. My dog's pretty smart too. But uh, yeah, I think cats. Oh, absolutely. They're smarter than us, actually. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, and and your wife not getting you quite the caliber of food. I mean, you could go pick it up for yourself, but your cats can't. So I could, but when we're boiling, I usually put some aside, you know, because it's, it's over the counter food that we get at, you know, like a, a human grocery store that, you know, deals with more natural based foods. But, but when you make homemade diets, you have to be careful where you're getting it from because you can get cheaper ingredients from other sources, you know, from butchers and stuff like that. Those are usually okay. But like, for example, we had somebody who was making a homemade diet and they, for their dogs and cats, and they were getting it from some guy in a parking lot who ground up one day old dead bull calves and was in a parking lot selling it. So like, that's not probably a good quality of meat to be using. Um, No, I would. I would never, oh, yeah. I can't believe they found somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't believe some of the stories you hear. So if if someone wanted to feed their cat, I know you've touched on this, but I kind of want to make the point again. If they wanted to feed their cat a home-cooked diet exclusively, they really need a diet formulated by a veterinary nutritionist. So what are some of the resources? I know here in Tennessee, I can communicate with the College of Veterinary Medicine at UT, and they will formulate things for my clients, but just nationally, what do you think the options are for people? So again, you can, so you have a couple of options. You can certainly go to the American College of Veterinary Nutrition, as I mentioned before, acvn.org website. That will give you a list of people in and uh, veterinary schools, like the University of Georgia, we have a clinical nutrition service as well. Other schools, some other schools do as well. And then there are actually nutritionists who are now in private practice making, using as a living, as a specialist, as a surgeon or an internist or a radiologist would. And they will do distance consults. Um, most of the homemade diet formulations 
much as we do are with people who don't even live in the Southeast. I mean, we've had clients from Saudi Arabia and New Zealand and Ireland and I mean, just all over. So that's one resource. PetDiets.com is a website that was developed by a boarded veterinary nutritionist. There's now a group of them that manage it and you can go to their website and put in information and get a complete balanced diet formulated. And then balanceit.com, which looks like balance IT because the IT is capitalized, but balanceit.com is another website that is was started by a board of veterinary nutritionists. And you can go in and make diets, formulate diets, and it will tell you whether it's complete balance for healthy animals. Now, if your animal has a disease, you know, like you need a renal diet for a cat with chronic kidney disease, these websites won't do that for you unless your veterinarian is involved because that requires modification of the diet from a standard healthy diet. And boarded nutritionists who work in practice and in universities will work with your veterinarian through your veterinarian with you to formulate diets for specific situations like hyperthyroid cats or chronic kidney disease or inflammatory bowel disease or whatever. Okay, so I want to take a quick break, but then I want to come back and I want to talk with you a little bit about what happens if pets are not fed a balanced diet. We'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. We're talking a little bit about the safety, or maybe not, of home-cooked diets for cats. And I'm still here with Dr. Bargess, and we're talking. Dr. Bargess, I've had clients tell me, you know, when I was growing up, we fed my cat just trash. I mean, you know, whatever. And she lived to be 45. I've heard every story. But what happens if you don't feed a balanced diet? Well, you know, and I grew up the same way. My dad, you know, grew up during the depression. And so like our pets, they didn't even come inside and he fed them the cheapest thing possible. And our dogs and cats lived for forever, but they were outside. And so they got to hunt and subset fill in the deficiencies by eating other things. Um, so that's part of it. But if you have, you know, a more domesticated, less feral kind of cats that are mostly indoors or completely indoors, if you feed a diet that's not complete or balanced or both, then you can certainly run into lots of different potential problems. And it depends on what either the excess or deficiency that might be in within the diet. So the biggest things, problems that I see when people go online and get a, a diet you know, from some website and they start feeding it is that uh, three things. One is, has it been balanced enough to make sure there's enough protein again for cats coming, from the, coming into the diet? And some of the diets don't use enough protein. Cats and dogs don't have an absolute carbohydrate requirement. You can feed a zero carbohydrate diet. So you can feed protein and add some things to it and still get a complete and balanced diet. But one of the mistakes made, protein source, you know, again, protein like animals 
chicken, beef, and things like that is is more expensive than feeding vegetables and and grains. And so if you start putzing around, if you have too much of a carbohydrate in for dot, a cat, not a, that means that the protein content may not be high enough. The other mistake that people make is there really has to be an, an identifiable source of calcium to put in bones, to put in eggshells egg and things like that. Unless the eggshell is ground into a fine powder, the bones are ground. The calcium's there, but it's not available because it's bound up inside the shell or in the bone. So if you even chemically analyze the diet, there'd be enough calcium there, but the calcium is not available. It's not what's called bioavailable. And so that induces a deficiency as well. The third is there's no obvious source of vitamins and minerals. Um, a lot of people think, well, I'll just use all these different, you know, you start with a diet and there's 45 ingredients in this diet trying to get all the vitamins and minerals in. It just doesn't work. Vegetables, while they have vitamins and minerals in them, vegetables are mainly fiber and water, for example. And so there really needs to be an obvious source of vitamins. No, that's the reason why, even if you have a good diet, doctors still say you should take, you know, a human multivitamin mineral supplement because it's hard to get everything from, from the foods. And so those are probably the three biggest issues. What that can result in is either some very subtle things like loose stools, um, poor hair coats, you know, less severe, serious things. But if you're not careful, you can run into issues where um, there's either a toxic level of, a, of something or a deficient level to the point that it can not only cause health problems, but even death. So for example, I've had clients who, you know, you want to put fish oil in, but they'll use cod liver oil instead. Cod liver oil is high in vitamin A and you can give toxic levels to cats and it will cause this bridging bone growth in their neck, which doesn't go away by, you know, when you stop. And so then they, they can't move their neck or head. Certainly we've seen things like rickets where there's not enough calcium in the diet. Thiamine deficiency, uh, people who feed raw fish, uh, certain types of fish have an enzyme in it called thiaminase that destroys thiamine, which is a B vitamin, and that results in neurologic signs. Um, so it really is important to not only have a, a complete diet that meets all of the requirements of the different nutrients, but they have to be balanced to one another as well. There can be enough calcium in the diet, there can be enough phosphorus in the diet, but it's the ratio of calcium to phosphorus that is as important as the absolute amounts. And again, if that ratio is off, there's more phosphorus than calcium in the diet, even if they're both there in the right, you know, in, a, in amounts above what's recommended, but the ratio is off, then that can cause what's called nutritional secondary hyperparathyroidism. And what that means is a hormone is produced that pulls calcium out of bone. And so they end up with brittle bones and rubber jaw and bones that lose their bone density because the calcium is being pulled out of it. And that's really, really heartbreaking because that owner was trying to do right and just didn't have the right guidance. And that's why I wanted to talk with you today because I just think that's really sad. I hear that kind of thing a lot in my practice of, oh, I give her chicken and rice. That's the number one thing I have. I give her chicken and rice and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's all? So, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. The owners who are doing this want to do the right thing. They went online probably or talk to somebody, maybe their neighbor or whoever they got the cat or dog from. And, you know, they were told this one thing and they didn't look hard enough to know like that's that it has a potential for being a huge problem. The other is, you know, again, we feed our cats a balanced homemade diet um, that's homemade and we use commercial balanced homemade diets um, or balanced, complete balanced commercial foods. So we end up with a complete balanced diet. But 
the other thing is even if what people do is they'll, they'll start feeding like chicken and rice and they'll mix it in with the food that's complete and balanced, the commercial food, but then the dog or cat eats more and more of the homemade diet that's not complete and balanced. And even though there's this commercial diet available, now they're eating an unbalanced and incomplete diet. And so it's important to make sure that they continue to eat the right amounts of the right foods. And that if you decide to do a homemade diet, that it is proven to be a complete and balanced diet, that somebody has analyzed it to say it is complete and balanced. And that also uh, treats too. I mean, you use treats. Treats should not account for more than five to 10% of the amount of food that they eat. So, you know, when we talk to clients, they'll say, oh yeah, I feed, you know, such and such brand of cat food. And then when you say, well, do you give treats? And they say what they're giving, well, how much do you give? And then you find out that 80% of the cat's diet is treats and 20% is the complete and balanced diet. So it's important to make sure that treats are kept to a less than 10% amount and that the rest of the food is in fact a complete and balanced diet. Balance means that all the things are in the right ratio. So when you feed less percent of it, you just get yourself in a bind. But that's why I wanted to talk with you today and I wanted to provide some information for people that are out there thinking about doing this. It's not just, hey, you can feed her whatever is left on your plate. I mean, you know, you, you got to have some help to optimize your pet's nutrition. So thank you so much for talking with us today. I learned a lot and I hope my listeners did as well. I appreciate the invitation to come talk and hopefully you learn everyone learned a little bit of something that they didn't know before. That's the that's the goal. That is the goal. So thank you so much. I also want to thank my producer, Mark Winter, here on Pet Life Radio, because without him, nine lives would not be. And I want all of my cat loving listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's talk pets every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.